Clay after the events of Life Signs, which is the episode that we're talking about today. I hope they spend an entire episode or two or three slowly massaging Chakotay's sense of self back into shape as to where it needs to be. I think this episode is basically the ultimate humiliation of Chakotay in a few vignettes of scenes where Tom Paris yells at him in the cafeteria and he's like, you never loved me. And then he storms out and everyone's looking at Chakotay who has to stand up awkwardly. And then Mm -hmm. eventually, after trying to go to mom to see what mom says, she (laughs) says, talk to your father and he talks to Chakotay. And then as far as I can tell, Tom Paris like lightly brushes against Chicote, who reacts as if he's been thrown off of a bus that's moving at yes. 60 miles an hour, yes. hits the ground. Extremely embarrassing to pick yourself up like that. It's always embarrassing to be knocked down. It's more embarrassing to be knocked down when it looks like a uh, a light like flag football contact has caused you to spiral out of control. But Chicote, he's he's in a rough spot at the end of this. Yeah, it also looked like they needed a stuntman to do that. The fall. Yeah, um, yeah and. Uh, not the ass of Chicote that, that we're, we're used to from tattoo. Well, I could be wrong, but it, it looked like it looked like someone wearing a wig. No, oh. uh, so I thought it might have been a, a stunt man, and I was like, man, for a for a stunt man, really could have done something a little bit more interesting than just like <laughs> fall over, fall fall like a grandfather who missed the second slipper with <laughs> yeah, their foot. It's a it's a trip. Uh, get your toe caught on the underside of the deck porch as you're going up. That's it's that kind of a fall that happens to yeah. Chicote. I'm I I kind of hope that the the long term plan for this storyline is that this causes a a like the the focus now shifts to Chakotay so he can kind of finally work <laughs> out what the hell his deal is because he is so kind of fence sitting and passive a lot of the time yeah he's so because otherwise so yeah otherwise I don't really know what's going on here other than Tom Paris is just you know having having a month or whatever but it, it's just it's very strange. Tom, like we'll we'll get into this more. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say Tom Paris is clearly also a double agent, right? That's what's going on. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. I think that must be it. And he's having a a worse reaction to it than the other guy <laughs> whose name I don't know is uh, at this point. We'll see. We'll talk about Wait, it. Wait, so you think Paris is feeding Seska information? Yeah, I think he's a Kazon agent in some way or something like that. Yeah. Like is he uh is he like a a double double agent? So do you think like he's doing it? F- you know, like he's he's an Englishman working for the Russians who's actually working for the English. That kind of thing. Or no, I think it, I think it's, you he's think it's ex- legit. Yeah, I think he's exactly the same because that's why he's reacting to it so badly because he's not he's not sure about what's going on. I'm assuming because if that prediction doesn't come to pass, I have no idea what this plot line is about or where it's supposed to go. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see. But this well, is, he's more reliable than fucking Mike. Yeah, Mike. Um, I'll look up his name as we as we go through. Is it is Michael? Right. Hold on. I, I found it very funny. When Michael they were Jonas. Like, <laughs> when Sesco was like, "You need to do what I asked you to do, Mike." <laughs> it's a good example. Let of me tell you, I am not going to raise my child on a Kazon ship, Mike. Mike. <laughs> in the in the gamma good Delta quadrant, always get confused. The time for finger pointing goes over, Steve. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Life Signs is the name of this episode. It's the 19th episode of the second season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on February 26, 1996. It is four of nine in the Seska arc, written by Kenneth Biller, directed by Cliff Bull in Universe Date 49504.3, uh, which is 2372. 
In Life Signs, the doctor falls in love with a Vidian patient whose life he saved. Meanwhile, Tom Paris's insubordination starts to go out of control. You can tell because his hair gets frizzy. Yeah, he's not. Um, there's a lack of product and a lack of uh, time put into himself in front of the mirror. So we had um, we had a special piece of uh, guest mail for this one, actually. Oh, uh, Tom Paris himself wrote now, it. <laughs> uh, Anthony Fauci of the uh, NIAID fame oh. and our coronavirus <laughs> wrote in to give this a one out of five, saying, <laughs> saying that there is no. There is no time to question whether or not living is appropriate when there's a dangerous uh, phage living ah, around yes. you. So yes. thank you, Tony, for writing in and leaving your thoughts about that. But I, honestly, that was one of the more interesting things about this, watching this now, I thought, was that um, having just gone through the COVID pandemic, it, it's an episode that actually questions whether or not like life-saving things are the best thing to do in some mm. ways like and obviously um quarantine or whatever is one thing but i think it's i think it's fairly unambiguous that the stuff like the lockdowns of like not letting pe- family members see dying people in the hospital because of concerns about spreading what eventually turned out to be not that big of a deal uh was kind of called into question <laughs> in this episode um so I thought that that was interesting because th- this is this is a th- th- there's like a more there's a drastic uh, awfulness to this disease, and it's still it, it's almost like I, I wonder if the writers would have a different take after the pandemic or if you still hold to this ideal when there was no pandemic at the time that it was written. You know, like it, it, whether or not something shapes you like that, or if you would hold to this opinion and think that the whole uh, whatever we went through with COVID was like an overreaction or whatever. But what did you think about life signs? Uh, this might be my favorite episode of the season. Hmm. Loved it. That was great. It's a doctor episode. You like the doctor. You like 57 Chevys. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, I like Mars. You like the, <laughs> you, you have, you've been kind of lukewarm on the Vidians, but this, uh, the Vidians make their little appearance here, uh, and probably their best episode, I would think. Right. Should, oh yeah, they should have jettisoned the Kazon, I think, and gone with the Vidians, who are much more interesting. <laughs> it's it's kind of a toss up because I don't particularly care for that makeup design. It, it's just I don't know when they're ill. It's, yeah, it just looks like a mess to yeah. me. And I mean, I understand what the concept is, but it just looks like clayface mid transformation. And it's not, I don't know. It's not. I don't find it appealing to look at. Not that you're supposed to, mm-hmm. but it just. As like as far as design goes, look like the Toxic just, Avenger. Yeah, yeah, they look like a, a meal from RoboCop after he gets smashed into the toxic waste. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're interesting. Uh, they, they aren't as limited. It seems like there's there's a lot of different ways you can go with them. Like I thought their introduction was kind of neat. I thought that they, they get kind of like. Must, mustachey twirly villainy in the faces one which is the one where Bellana gets split into two there where they become sort of like mad scientist types right but i think that they have a they have a core to their um species or their culture or whatever that you can go in a lot of different directions with it even though they're all afflicted by the same thing and i think that this is a good example of of a dean who's not like an evil person really or someone who's not objectively right. trying to harm Voyager crew members who gets a storyline out of it. 
Well, yeah. I mean, the thing that they, they do that's nice is they have someone who is a doctor who is afflicted with this, you know, fatal disease who is still going out of their way to try and save other people, even though uh, she knows that eventually she's going to get taken over by it. Um, and, and, you know, she's still out there doing what she can, living her life, kind of. And uh, it's just, uh, I think it's a, like, I, I, I think it's a great doctor story. I think it was all of the stuff. It, it shows how good Picardo is. Like he's really, really good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the woman who plays uh, the Vidian is very good. Um, and I think all that stuff was just was just really well done. I like. I didn't feel like there was a as far as that storyline goes. I didn't think there was a misstep through the whole episode. Like I loved, I loved the scene with him and Torres where he's trying to convince her to let him take a piece of her brain out yeah yep. um you know i i loved the whole romance thing i loved the scene where he tells her that he's that he's he, he's in love with her was great mm-hmm. i just I, like i thought that <laughs> the love story was just for a character like him it was just so perfectly written for that character and it had a really interesting sci-fi base to it um not only the idea that uh he has recreated this ideal version of of her by uh using the the hollow transmitter to create her non-infected form but you know all the stuff that she goes through seeing herself that way and the way that she reacts where she's trying to kill herself like like i just thought it was all really really well done and it was just a good story and it you know it's uh the the point of the, the 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 big confrontation at the end with the doctor and uh what the hell's her name i can't remember her name denara denara where she reveals that she was gonna let herself die because she didn't want to live there and the doctor having his like the doctor giving the the doctoral point of view but also kind of being a little selfish to a certain extent yep um was just really great and even the ending the final scene where they're in the where they dance in the thing i thought was great i just thought it was really well done yeah, I liked. Um, I thought it was a good. It's a good character episode for Voyager. Uh, the Doctor works well. It's a good um, romance episode for Star Trek, and Star Trek yeah. sometimes has trouble with that. And I, I think that the uh, the reasons that this one falters a little bit in the romance department is like the same reason that they all do. Is that it's it's hard to do the whole thing in forty three minutes or whatever the time that they have. It is, but I honestly didn't feel it. I felt um, it at the end here. Like yeah. I feel the the resolution of like you have to sort of be paying a lot of attention to understand how this wraps up on itself. Like where she goes and what what happens to her and her decision that she makes. It feels it feels like if they had another episode you could more organically like let this stuff breathe and feel like the decisions are not uh like characters aren't coming to correct decisions without any contemplation which is kind of weird about the ending like they they just they have the problem the doctor talks it out and then they just have their farewell scene after he's like well now you have to go back and save your people it's it's a lot of information in a very short period of time i think yeah that's true but you know at the same time though i think like the emotion of it is is pretty clear it is you know the uh you know I i don't know i don't know what another couple scenes would really have added to it because at that point that you've kind of had the big climactic uh dramatic scene i don't really know what else you would really do with them 
Um, I could flesh out the arguments about whether or not you want to die or live in this holodeck thing for a little while longer. Like, I think that there's a, um, I think that they don't really touch on it too much. It there, does. It or, is. It or is what a the bit stakes of a, are. Yeah, it, it, they do kind of tack it on a little bit at the end. Um, but uh, but even so, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't really feel like it's underserved. It's tough because it's one of those things where it's like we run into this stuff all the time in Star Trek where it's there's there's a really interesting idea that they kind of drop in that isn't the focus of the episode, but they end up using it as just like a plot maneuvering thing. Yep. And we always usually kind of feel like it's uh, they're, they're leaving money on the table, you know, with that stuff. And, you know, I I, I don't really know if I if I would want too much more of that um see because i was unclear about and i think it's because of the pacing of that of that scene i was unclear about what the trade-off was if she does not go back into the body right and i mm-hmm. i think my understanding is that the hologram will eventually fade away too right is that yes. what they say yeah basically i think it's just uh you know, he he was saying the reason that he she had to basically go to sleep was because the longer that the hologram was on, the the quicker her synaptic nerves or whatever were degrading. Because so she's she's sort of being beamed out of the body, right? She's like being projected yeah. from the body of herself through yeah, the computer. It's, like, it's not a true hologram program or it's whatever. Like, it's like running your it's run it's like running Wi Fi in your laptop through a hotspot on your phone. That's, that's right, tethering. When, when your phone, that. that's yeah. what the kids call it. <laughs> yeah, when your phone runs out of battery, you're going to not have Wi-Fi anymore. So, I mean, I, th- this is all small potatoes. Why does he talk about they need so much storage for her? Um, I assume just because the consciousness takes up a lot of space. But I thought the consciousness was being beamed from her. You know, like I, th- these are these are small points, but that was my confusion about like I was like, why does she die if she's a hologram in the ship? Like, why? Why must she disappear at the at the if she if the body dies? Why does she go away? Too? Well, the one question that I had was why can't they just like upload her into the ship? Right. Well, that's what I mean by the storage. Isn't that what the storage yeah. is for? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess the thing is though, she's not she's not an independently she's not a program, right? She's she's a, a consciousness. Yeah. And so whatever she is doing in her holographic form is still happening because of her humor, her fleshy brain. Right. And so when the fleshy brain goes away, then the program goes, then the hologram goes away. Yes. And I think, I think it must be just that the, the amount of storage necessary to upload a, a whole uh, sentient consciousness is, just too massive or something. I don't no, know. No, he says it's my uh, my program is the same size. The doctor has this oh, point. Well, so I have no idea then. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, uh, and I'm. It, this is less of a like. I'm like explain the details to me, but more it was it was leading to my confusion at the end where I was unsure if is she, is what she's doing is saying I would rather be a hologram for the rest of my existence than go back to that body. Or is it just the insult of I don't want to be back in that body whatsoever at this point going on about yeah. my life? No, it's it's I think it's pretty explicit that if her body dies, she go her she her hologram also dies. Right. So I, I feel that that central conflict could be fleshed out more a little bit, mm-hmm. which is that 
the the arguments about whether or not what convincing her and making a good like I think the doctor does it. I just think that it goes quickly. Is that you can you have to convince this character that she has to go back into her diseased body and um, help others. You know the the doctoring sort of side of things of like helping others and everything like that, which is all very good and fine. I I just think that it the conflict between the two of them is sort of uh, like aggressively not focused around that because they have to spend a lot of time developing the relationship. And I think it's all good. Right. It's not that I think that these things are bad. I just wish that there was more of a uh, maybe it's just me. I personally found it a little bit unclear sort of as to as to how this was ending even though it emotionally worked for me and i thought that it was more important that it emotionally worked for me i just thought that there was a um that 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 central disagreement about whether or not she is uh staying or going or what is at stake because of her staying or going would be something to talk about for a little bit longer yeah i i guess it's it's tough because you know if if you introduce that like earlier that concept then it, the story then becomes about the doctor having the point. The point of the story becomes the doctor trying to convince her not to to die, and the, I think that kind of takes away from the love story aspect of it. Yeah, um, I think you could. Uh, I think maybe you could could spend a little bit longer on it if you looked at both sides of the equation from the. Uh, what the fuck is her name? Sorry, Denara. Denara, from the Denara side, and also from the the doctor side, as to like you know, you you your program is adapting. You love this person, so are you making? Are you telling her this based on what your program is telling you is the right thing to do, or are you telling is are you doing this because you are uh, compromised by emotion? You know right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but even so, I I don't even know. I don't know how much more you get out of that. Honestly, maybe a couple scenes or something, but. I well, and I think it's, I think it's interesting because it, it uh, the last one we watched was Death Wish, right? The suicide yeah. episode. Um, it's sort like, don't do you do you find these two episodes, especially back to back, to be contradictory to each other, or like schizophrenic in, in any way? Uh, give me a quick refresher on what death wish well, was about because de- de- death wish was i mean I, I get the title is probably pretty self-explanatory but i forget who had the death wish the suicidal cue comes in oh right and right, they're right. like okay now you're a human you have all these new experiences and you can help a tremendous number of people mm. with your cue knowledge and everything like that and he goes now i'd rather kill myself actually thanks yeah. yeah and this one the exact opposite argument is made and it feels better. Like I feel like this is a better emotional episode, and I feel that like this one is more is less cynical and more um, hopeful and like uh, idealistic in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's just that I, it's just that neither one of them I don't think spent a tremendous amount of time on the nuts and bolts of it in some way, which is which is straight, but like. But I think that it works better in life signs because it's more about the doctor getting a relationship. Like that takes a bigger story lift than the uh than the death wish does sure. like, it like provides more entertainment for having to watch that and stuff like that but i don't know well yeah that's that's i mean that's a case where death wish is wholly about that concept the concept of 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 
you know, euthana- uh, euthanasia or killing yourself and, and uh, the uh, literal argument between the two sides of it. And, and I, you know, I think, I think that one is also gets undone because of, as we talked about, the, the way that they play the cue is incongruous to the decisions that he makes, kind of. Yes. Um, whereas I, I feel like in this one, ultimately, doesn't he kind of make the same argument to her a bit where he's like, you know, yeah, it'll, it, it'll suck because you got a weird face, but, you know, you can help people and, right. you know, we can be... It's like, I, I feel like it's not that schizophrenic because... I mean, I, I I don't know if the show needs to have a singular um, point of view on suicide. <laughs> I think I think all the characters could can have different ideas as far as that goes. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. They I, can, I feel but like the, it, the show is the show is yeah. Well, the the show, in my opinion, the show is speaking out both sides of its mouth about that. Like within a back to back episode, where you you would imagine that this would be something that would be commented on because the 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 argument here it's to me it's exactly opposite what they're saying in both of the two shows and they but both episodes end saying that the right decision was made despite the fact that they're contradictory to each other so you can't have an episode where Q says no I don't actually want to help people I want to just die that's my decision because I don't want to go back to whatever my life was before then the prison the, the prison of the comments as opposed to the prison of this like disease that the vidians sure. have sure and the vidian episode is no actually going back and helping people is the right thing to do at great expense to myself i help others mm-hmm. you know but both episodes end with the right decision was made here in this episode well, I, yeah but i don't i don't see why like i I guess it's a relative right because I mean, if if the doctor makes that, I mean, if you if you look at the way both episodes go, uh, Janeway makes an appeal to the Q, and he's like, "No, I don't think that's how I want to do it," and so he kills himself. Mm-hmm. And in this one, the doctor makes an appeal to uh, Dinara, and she goes, "Yeah, you're right. Maybe that is worth living for." And so she doesn't kill herself. So, and I mean, I I don't think I think if you're going by what they are putting down in the last episode about the right to to choose whether or not you live or you die or whatever i think it's i think it's still in line cuz she's still making the choice she just changed her mind sure which is who's the better person denara or the q i i don't know <laughs> denara <laughs> does, does one clearly, of them need, right yeah what? does one of them need to be better than the other i would agree yes yes I mean, because they're make, they're making a like a moral choice here about whether or right. not they help people and right, right. The, yeah. Q, the Q is not helping anybody. Dinara yeah. is helping somebody at the end of it. So it's like, I, that, that, I think that that's the, the core of the issue between the two. And I guess it all just comes back to my main point about it is just that like, how to describe it? So like the, the, the fact, what's interesting to me is that despite how different the two episodes are, the way that they go about explaining the, the mindset of the person making the choice at the end is is kind of underbaked in both of them, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and I think that it suffers less in this one because I I like the scenes that are kind of like the comedy about giving a teddy bear and chocolates to an alien that doesn't know what the fuck is going on <laughs> and stuff like that, yes. and I like the like I'm sexually aroused by you while he's doing the operation on the brain, and she says maybe we should talk about this later. I, I liked all that stuff, and I I thought that it worked better, and I just feel that the character makes a a choice that I would 
think is an appropriate good choice to make at the end, even if it's kind of underbaked as to how you get there. So that's yeah, yeah. It's tough because I mean, you know, I, I feel like that's the that's the tough thing about the last episode is if when you're dealing with essentially what essentially becomes assisted suicide. Um, I don't know. I don't know if if anyone's ever going to come out of that feeling good about even if that is the right choice mm-hmm. um, for that particular person. I don't think the person who uh, is facilitating is ever going to come out and go like, you know what? Great choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I it's. So I think the thing, the thing that undoes it in the last one that I think <laughs> actually works and, and makes me not mind it as much in this one is that Denari is consistently characterized. Yes. Um, like they don't explicitly say it or really explicitly talk about it, but you get to see her um, see this other side and, and, and the, the possibilities of, of how she looks and how she's falling in love and everything. And so it does, it does feel believable to me that she's like, you know what, this is better than going back to the, to the, to the, yep. to the weird, weird body. Yes. Um, yeah. But I can, at the same time though, I can, I can totally understand <laughs> maybe not making that decision immediately after one person says, Hey, maybe don't do it. But that such is the nature of one hour television, I guess. Yeah. And, and again, it's not, it's not that I don't think that they don't touch on it, but right. I, th- I think the conversation is so big that I wonder, it, 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 it's almost like you need multiple scenes just to stress the fact that the characters have to consider what they're talking about here. Mm-hmm. If, if it all happened, if the, if the convincing happens in one scene and there's not a scene where she storms out and is like, you're wrong, like I'm making the right decision. And then she reflects on it through some sort of like characterization which she, she talks to Harry Kim or something. It comes, <laughs> comes to her senses. Um, then I, then I, I would like that. A little, like I was, I was enjoying this episode and I was surprised when the end credits came up because I was like, it feels like there needs to be more here at the end and even though i like the ending scene i really expected something else to um i don't know it was, it was like uh, what was it? we watched that ds9 episode recently for the patrons uh civil defense where ducat is just kind of on the station at the end and you never really oh, know yeah, yeah. It, it just kind yeah. of felt like that it was like oh how what it's over i guess okay we're, i guess we're just gonna kind of see him i felt that way about denaro that you don't really see her leave or anything like that yeah, I mean, well, they had. Well, it was going to take them two weeks to get wherever they were going. I think. Yes, right? yeah, but yeah. she is leaving, which is the right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah um, fuck, I was going to say something, but I forget what it is. Uh, sure. I can just go for a second because I have other yeah, thoughts about. I mean, Denara, I like the. I I thought this was a very strong romance <laughs> subplot. Um, I I thought it had good Voyager humor in it. Like Voyager continues mm. to be kind of one of the funnier Star Trek shows. Interestingly. Um, I like the doctor when he meets up with Tom Paris. He's like, you have loads of experience with women rejecting you, right? In sort of yeah, a very straight good. manner. I uh, gets told that. I like Paris and him sort of working through these things. It, even though it does kind of highlight to me the fact that Paris doesn't work the way that he's constructed, uh, constructed I don't think. Um, well, he doesn't work at all, which is the problem with him. He's <laughs> extremely tardy. Lieutenant Tardy over here. Coming in late, coming in, uh, and yeah, we'll wrap up with uh, his stuff. But I, I, I think that he's, 
uh, the other humor stuff is as we were talking about just the uh, the operation and saying like I'm attracted to you or you attracted to me blah 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 I thought, I, thought I have it worked a, well I had a real question about that scene uh after she after she rejects him there um the next thing he does is he says he's going to inject something into her posterior sciatic nerve <laughs> is he gonna shove that thing up her ass <laughs> That's- He's it's a very long needle. Just ask Chicote what's going on there. <laughs> it's, it's, I was very ne- never goes away, no matter what the timeline is or what quadrant of space you find yourself in. I uh, the the doctor did a nice move too, where he um he made sure to make sure that body came through before the clothes. The clothes come on last. <laughs> you, once you've seen everything, you can put some clothes on there. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, also, is his, what's his name? Schmoz? It was like Schmuckface or something. It was the, the least <laughs> sexy name a character. Let me see if I, I was, can find it. Like, I was trying to figure out when I, I when they did the thing where she's like, can I give you a name? I was like, oh, wow, this is a great way to finally give him a name. Like, there's something that <laughs> sticks around. But then she says, I'm going to call you Schmoz. And I was like, ah, maybe not that one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll go back. It was a... I can't find it. It was a decidedly unsexy name. I'm not even sure how you spell it. Um, but it was it was not a not a good name. What do you what are you thinking of that runner with the name for the doctor? I like it. I think that's one of the more successful runners that they've got going because I I mean Picardo is just such a good actor that anytime someone says what's your name, you know, you see this little glint of yeah disappointment and distraction fall over his face before he's like i you know i didn't give me a name oh it's um shmullis dr shmullis yeah shmullis shmullis okay it's good still (laughs) he had an uncle that was funny and his name was shmullis yeah was he like a caskills comic (laughs) or something (laughs) this weekend it's shmullis all irish irish shmullis up at camp wakanaka (laughs) we hold you in our hearts um I guess just to, so we, we liked that uh, storyline. The patrons will give us some more things to talk about. The The only other thing to really talk about is the uh, thing that we talked about last episode, so we probably don't need to spend, to spend more than a couple minutes on it, is that Voyage's serialized plots are stupid, like yeah, astoundingly bad. Uh, it's Tom Paris and then Michael Mike. Jonas. Yeah, Mike Jonas. The, the lost Jonas brother. Mike Mike Jonas is... Mike Jonas is the worst storyline because it continues to not do anything. He, that guy doesn't leave that room. He doesn't do anything on the ship. There's no, yeah. there's no impact. Tom Paris is at least knocking people over. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's some someone out there who's like, well, actually, it's a more realistic espionage plot that all he's doing is giving what seems to be inane information to the people. It's like, yeah, we're on a TV show. Who gives mm-hmm. a shit? You know, <laughs> Tasha Yar died one, like a real person, right? I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even in this one, in this one, it's even funnier because, like, the the Kazan is like, Mike, we finally would like you to do something, and he's like, No, I need to talk to Seska. I can't. No, I can't actually do anything. <laughs> what? What is? What is this? I thought we were just hanging out. We don't. We don't even know that guy's motivations, do we? I don't. I. Uh, I think. Isn't it Maquis related where he thinks like he just thinks Starfleet shit is oppressive or something? And he's he's just going to side with these lunatics? Like it's, I guess. Yeah, that, that's just shitty. But in I don't know. 
Um, Tom Paris is the other one. We talked a little bit about him at the start, but uh, I don't know. He's just he's a little irritated and he's a little testy and spicy with Chakotay. He seems to be the, the point of the storyline so far. I, I'm thinking double agent. I could easily be wrong. I don't know, uh, but that's that's pretty much it. I, I at least find those scenes badly executed and badly conceived but they're enjoyable to watch on the, on like a, a sort of like this is awkward level um also like the only thing that makes me wonder about the um he's a double agent is that they've been so specifically he's antagonized by Chicote for no reason yeah. that i feel like he's read Chicote's personal logs or something and knows something that happened and they're going to reveal that in the next couple episodes. I don't know. I mean, it might be possible that the whole thing is a work and, uh, because I think Mike is Mike's reporting on it, right? He's telling on the, stre- about, the stress between those two. Yeah. He's telling hmm. the Kazon and Seska that there's shit going on. So it, I mean, the whole thing might be a work to get Paris oh, get, to get a mole oh, or something. Yeah. To- something like that. Oh man, it's a pretty. That is a quite a long way to go for that ham sandwich. <laughs> yeah, but. that is that is some dry ham. By the time you get there, yeah. um, <laughs> maybe that could. It's a little dry. I, I if that were the case, I would I would think that I would hope that Mike Jonas would have at least talked about Chakotay in previous episodes or something. You know, because Seska yeah. has an interest in Chakotay. Yeah, the that's the thing with this Mike thing is like I. Even in this episode, I was kind of almost expecting them just to eject out of it and have Mike be like, "No, I can't. That's I, that's not something I can do. We're done here." Well, right, he clicks this. it off, and they never yeah. they never talk again. Yeah. Right, but like, or the other thing I'm thinking of is like they have to they're they're going to do a thing where it's like they knew about it the whole time or some shit. And so, like, I I feel like maybe it's possible mm. setting Paris up to to have Mike come over and be like, you know. We could, uh, you know, I've been talking to Seska, but you know, is right. The way You're that, unhappy. I'm unhappy. Let's be unhappy together. And uh, right, yeah. right, yeah. yeah, yeah. And do they do they throw Paris into the brig with uh, worm tongue? There? Oh, with a lawn suitor. Yeah, I would hope so. There's only the, there's only the one brig. It's a small ship. That's interesting. I I found the whole Janeway's like talk to Chicote. He handles the discipline on the ship. I feel like Janeway. I, I don't know. Maybe that makes sense in a chain of command structure. But that was a. That's like a weirdly flaccid scene where Janeway's just sitting there in her chair, and she's like, "You got to talk to him. He's the he's the boss about <laughs> time cards." Yeah. Um, it's weird though, because like that scene feels like it should be as bad for Chicote as it is for Paris. Right. Like I feel I feel like she should be saying that as an indictment to Chicote, you know what I mean? Right, or like yeah, or in line with that like they have an argument in front of her and Chicote is the one who knocks down Paris out of frustration or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, yeah that, that 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 at least makes it seem like Chicote is cracking a little bit because he was humiliated earlier. So you think that he should be if he overreacts, it's kind of like they've been building towards that, and it's understandable, and maybe it catches well, them all off guard. Remember what happened the last time? Someone crossed him and humiliated him. He walked right into the into the cafeteria and just socked him right in the mouth. <laughs> that's right. He didn't have Tom Paris's hair though. I think that's intimidating. It's like a five uh, knuckles right in the mush. <laughs> if I get about a ham sandwich, is the knuckle sandwich being served over here, and it's a long way to go for one. 
Um, anything else here? Uh, I just saw Shea Sandrine popped up on my thing, but I don't think we really need to talk about it. That that is a uh, successful hologram program that Tom Paris has created because everyone yeah. wants a piece of Shea, Shea Sandrine. You know. I had a question. I was thinking like, so if that's running and it seems to be running 24 hours a day, is that the only, they, I, they've only got the one holodeck, right? You can't like do another program while that one's running. Right. If they only have one, I don't know. It's so, a small yeah, ship. It's like, yeah. Is someone who wants to do like mountain climbing or something, <laughs> they keep going over and be like, fucking Paris, man. <laughs> you just get out into the Paris hillsides. If you walk just, far enough, you'll just get there. Yeah. Just jerk off in your bunk like the rest of us. <laughs> Come on, Tom. Yeah, Shea Sandrine. I it's um I find it charming. It's a good place to have these conversations, I think. It is like yeah. the logistics of it are just kind of strange. Uh, but I don't know. I I, I think it, it could easily be much worse uh of a place to hang out and all the characters to talk to each other. Yeah, I think I actually I really do like that 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 concept and that idea. Cause it, I mean it really kind of it takes a place to tend forward, right? Right. It does, it, yeah. And it's it's a it's a much it's an interesting new set. So it's not just the ship because they're not going to planets as much as some of the other shows do right. and stuff. Um, just more comfortable. So yeah. Like the conversations yeah. there feel a little bit more natural than they do. Like the uh, like the cafeteria set on Voyager, I think is is if I were to make a list of the worst sets in Star Trek, it's probably up there in like the top five. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's super boring. It's super yeah. boring, and none of the conversations or scenes there are, have any kind of energy to them. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a, they always start with someone just nursing a bowl of soup while looking at one of five. Uh, tablets they have in front of them. Yeah, well, they, they have to first insult Neelix by going, ah, oh, Jesus, this again, and then they sit down and then they look at tablets, and that's every scene that happens there. And and they're always like the person comes in and talks to the person, you know, with the tablet, and they're like, what do you think you're doing? And the guy just goes, I'm sorry, what? Like, that's- <laughs> Low energy Voyager. Yep, yep. All right, well, I guess we're done with this one. Uh, we'll go to patron thoughts, and they'll probably give us something to wrap up with. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Patreon.com slash the Penske file is the place to go to leave comments and support the show. If you support the show, you can leave a comment about upcoming episodes when we read them and react to them. So there's a couple short ones here, Clay. I'll just read them quickly because they're so short. Tax Bear says, Life Signs, probably the best Phage People episode so far and one that brings up something interesting, maybe sometimes living in the Matrix, sort of is preferable that kind of that gets to my point so like textile bear isn't being clear there but living in the matrix doesn't mean that you die when the battery runs out immediately you know what i mean like the matrix is sure life there sure i don't i mean i think he's just i don't think it's a one-to-one because there, she does, she will die. Right, exactly. That, that's what I mean. So it's not, yeah. it's not exactly the Matrix. Like the, the, the decision here is whether or not going in back into your body for a couple. It, it's it's whether or not the previous body was so bad that you're willing to die prematurely to avoid going back to that. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess we've mm-hmm. talked about that, but it's like that's the, that's the decision that Denara has to make. And I'm just I, I'm trying to think on the fly about how I think about that. Like, 
it, it is a good it, it is a good conflict and it makes sense it's just it comes it's that matrix question again it's like it is preferable but her her sacrifice is bigger than just being in the matrix which is right. what you just said yeah right yeah uh, Eric McGowan says, Life Signs, it's a fine showcase for the character of the Doctor, but I've never been particularly interested in this episode, even if I can understand why many give it high ratings. Three antique vehicles out of five. You know what my favorite thing about this episode is, actually? That it doesn't feature like a three-minute spotlight on the Doctor tap sequence or some shit like they would do on TNG where it's like... Brent Spiner's been telling everybody he can soft shoe for like six months. Yep. Can we just write it into the fucking show <laughs> so he will just shut up? There's no skill that Picardo brings to from real life into the the episode here. He's excellent at Parcheesi or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's not like it's not like the guy comes over to her and she's like, "May I have this next trombone solo?" And she's like, "What?" And he's like, "My program, my program doesn't let me play the trombone." But I've I've recently plugged in a new trombone program. Would you like to see me play the trombone? It's like, all right, Picardo. He just spe- starts speaking like Clippy. He's like, looks like you're playing, trying to play the slide trombone. Would you like some tips about how to play the slide trombone? You know, I've always thought it's really sexy if someone can juggle pin, ju- juggle bowling pins. <laughs> well, I can't do that, but Robert Picardo can. So come back in about 10 minutes when I have a new program that lets me juggle bowling pins. This is Kyle Barrett with Life Signs, the one I just sent to you. Life Signs. I thought this episode was a breath of fresh air for the show, stripping everything back for a surprisingly funny, charming, and gentle romance. There's not much to it, but it's just nice and cozy and heartwarming. I'll stop listing adjectives now, but it really is one of my favorite romance episodes of the franchise and the best Doctor episode yet. It's also good to see Bellana have more fire in one scene than she did in the entire last two episodes dedicated to her. The two serialized plots also continue putting the pieces in place for them both to come to a head next episode, but they are easily the weakest parts of the episode, four out of five. I was, that's actually a good point. I was kind of surprised that Bellana scene, she wasn't like, listen, I'm not building a robot body for anybody, <laughs> and I'm not helping anybody kill themselves. It was, <coughs> it was, um, I thought it was a, a clever, subtle tie-in. Like the reason that he goes to her is because of her experience in that faces episode where her Klingon biology allowed that episode to happen. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. decent. It was, it was an easy quick tie in. <laughs> you know, you know, another thing too, <clears throat> it's interesting about that. You know, you talk about the real life applications of, of some of the things they talk about in this. The great thing about that scene is she's like, absolutely not. You are not touching anything in me to help any of these fucking guys. And then she walks in, she's then, uh, Dinara walks in and she's like hi I'm Dinara I'm a doctor and I would like to live and, and Bilana's like okay yeah it's the uh, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar saying right mm. there it's just because yeah it's, the doctor is just like listen I'm going to strap you down drill a hole in your head and cut out a piece right. of your brain yeah. and she comes in and she's like you know I'd really like it if I could hold you down drill a hole in your head and get some of your brain out and Bilana says I'll go change I'll get ready for this yeah Real Avi says, Life Signs, out of all the Star Trek shows, Voyager was the best at melodrama and romance. Loads of asks in this one, though. Four awkward glances out of five. Point extra G. I'll send this one to you. With this comment. Life Signs. Taking uniquely science fiction scenarios to tell a tried and true story in a new way is really Trek at its best. 
This show is rarely bad when, sorry, rarely bad when focusing on the Doctor and everything about this from the Doctor's early confusion and bluntness all the way to the end dancing scene at Sidrine's bar is great. On a, on a strange aside, I recalled when this originally aired that the song that played in the Chevy on their date was the Flamingos' I Only Have Eyes For You. Hmm. I was surprised when later watching it on DVD to hear the platters, My Prayer, being there instead. I always assumed this to be some licensing issue. I was surprised to see the Flamingos return on the Paramount Plus stream on this watch. I'm curious which song people heard through the various places to watch. Did you hear uh, I Only Have Eyes For You? I don't remember. Because I, I watched it on Paramount Plus, and I, that was definitely the one I heard. Okay. No, I don't I don't remember. Um, I'm bad at that stuff, unfortunately. Um, but I watched it on the Voodoo, so I, I wonder mm-hmm. if they were they were different. Um, I also I don't know how I would have felt if my prayer was in there instead because I can't. That's like pretty tightly linked to Twin Peaks at this point in my mind. Yep. yep. So that would be interesting. I want I want them I want there to be a uh, blooper reel where they just do the dance scene from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, a- I think I think I know what I was going to say before. Um, I'm actually surprised she lives in this. Like, I feel right. like, like I feel like. Well, why? Yeah, why? Yeah, I guess you're going to explain that. But my question would be why? Yeah, I guess it's. I was, I I was surprised that she was trying to kill herself because it seemed like the natural ending to this was a tragic ending where the doctor finds love and then loses love because he just can't save her right so i was surprised that it was oh she's actually she's actually uh uh sabotaging her own life and i'm happy i'm I'm actually i prefer and i'm happy that they didn't go <clears throat> the route where you actually watch her die because it is it is such a the the appeal that the doctor makes is a positive one and a, a hopeful one so it would be a real bummer to end it with her dying. Yeah, so I'm glad I, they didn't go that way. It, it's a, it's a, sort of a, um, it's a choice that they made, right? Because I feel there's a way that you could stress this more, where the doctor saves her in a way that is like more of a straight arrow and a straight shot of her as a plot arc, where they find her and the reason she's on that shuttle is that she's trying to die or something like that, but she's not. She's she's on a medical mission when they find her right, right at the start. Yeah. So I, I I just wonder about like the strength of the doctor saving her, I feel could have been amplified if there was a very similar again to Death Wish. So I thought that the yeah. characterization was not really clear for the cue the whole way through there. If If she had been more down in the dumps early and it was less about her shock of being given this new body, which is, which ties in, but there was more of a sense of like, the reason that I can't go back into that body is because you've only known me as a character who has been running from this body to get to the ultimate point of not being alive anymore at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's it's it was a it was just an interesting choice that they avoided doing that with her early to make her obviously someone who could be saved. Which is what you're saying is that it's surprising she doesn't die at the end because that's more of the tragic storyline where yeah. a character's happy and then there's the death. Where here it's more of a redemption story where there's a character who's very sad but then gets saved by the doctor at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like it because, you know, it it's still a tragedy, but it's a hopeful tragedy because she's still going to die. 
Yeah. Like they, he's only bought her a limited amount of time. And so I think that's this is what the Picard makes... Android argument. Isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so she can die of natural costs. She gets hit by a bus the next week. Yeah. 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 Uh, but no, I, I like that. And I, 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 I like the ending. Um, the kind of abruptness, if you will, of the ending, because it is, you know, it's just, it's leaving you with that high point where they're, they are eventually going to separate and she eventually is going to die. But for that moment, she, that he has bought her some time, time enough for them to, uh, uh, to spend with each other until they have to go and she has to go away. Yeah. Yep. Jaron Hatch says, Life Signs, best episode of the show so far. Great use of the Vidians, great use of the Doctor, and great use of romance in Star Trek. If this isn't a home run, then it's an RBI double with zero outs. The cherry cherry on top is the continuation of the epic Tom Paris is late again story arc. (laughs) Talk about House of Dragons level intrigue. 4.5 out of 5. That's the other thing about that fucking thing is it's just like much like the Mike plotline, nothing is really ha- it's it's like slightly escalating episode to episode, but it's still ultimately just like Tom Paris is like a fifteen year old. I was so confused when he comes in in the opening and he's like, "I'm sorry, I late. I had to deliver the Wildman baby." I was like, "Wait, the baby's born?" Yeah, I, I didn't right. even understand yeah. that he was. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. Why? Why was he going through that charade just to embarrass Chakotay or something? Was that was that a charade or did he actually deliver the baby? No, because the the Kess later on says she's having a pre, she had a prenatal visit with that woman, so the baby's not born yet. Oh, okay. Well, that baby like has to be born on camera, right? There's no way would, that you would think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me say. Although I don't know, because you know. Sometimes if you need to, to to get rid of a plot line or just move things forward, <coughs> off screen is the best place to do it. Because they, uh, I was uh, I was watching She Hulk, and uh, one of the things that they do in She Hulk in one of the later episodes of She Hulk, mm-hmm. uh, did you see? Did you see Civil War? Uh, the the, uh, the Captain the, America the movie, Civil movie. War. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, remember like the Sokovia Accords are the big like crux of that whole thing, right? Where right. it's like after the Ultron stuff, the government's trying to crack down. <clears throat> um, in one line of dialogue, a total throwaway dialogue, Matt Murdock says the Sokovia. In in, in uh, while he's arguing something in court, he says the uh, since the Sokovia Accords have been repealed, and that's j- that's just it. Like they just took that huge crux, like plot element from Civil War, and just swept it under the rug in one line. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah the uh, the baby is not born until later. Oh okay. So that baby. What a is, weird, what a weird thing to lie about. Why is he lying about it? It's a really easy one to to check up on. And well, that that's the thing is that Chicote knows he's lying right from the start, which makes you go. Why bother that? Yeah. Yeah. Because Chicote just says, Tom Paris, will you sit down? Like, he he's clearly knows that he's telling a, a tall tale. Um, and I I related strongly to Harry Kim in that, where it's like two people who clearly having, an, a, like, <laughs> a passive-aggressive com- argument with each other, and they're using you as, like, the mechanism to sort of <laughs> get at each other. And it's like, oh, boy, poor, poor Harry Kim. Um. Let me see here. Changeling, I'll send this to you. Maybe it's just my cold black heart, but I felt nothing during this episode. I didn't love it or hate it. 
It had some good performances and a few good jokes, but I think it was just missing something. Fan fiction rewrite. Instead of her dying after a few more days, make it a choice between living with the disease or staying with him as a hologram forever. And while it breaks his heart, the doctor tells her it is for the best that she goes back and that they'll always have Paris's holodeck programs. Three, two Jewish Hedley Lamar out of five. I don't get what? the reference. Uh, Who's Hedley that, Lamar? That, oh, that's a, that's a Blazing Saddles joke. Oh, gotcha. Um, I don't know. Is is that in reference to the name? Maybe I don't know what else that would be. Uh, in Blazing Saddles, oh shit, I can't remember the context of that joke. Oh, it's Hedy. Is that is the actress who's Hedy? Hedy Hedy Lamar is the actress. Hedley Lamar is the character from yes. <laughs> Blazing Saddles. Yes, that's that's what. Yeah, that's what's coming up here. Okay, <clears throat> he says it? it's 1875. You could sue her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, instead of her dying after a few more days, make it a choice between living. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I, I don't like, but but I don't like that because staying is staying with him as a hologram. I I don't know. It's that's not really that interesting of a, of a of a choice because staying with him as a hol like existing forever as a hologram. Yeah, that's what she wants, and yeah. he probably would say, "Okay, sure." Yeah, like. Yeah. You know, it's not like if she if she was like, okay, if whatever he does to her, like the piece of Taurus's brain goes into her brain and somehow that causes her to start creating antibodies that would that could be synthesized into some sort of cure for the phage, then yes, then it becomes okay. She plays she's playing an absolutely crucial role to the survival of her species, she needs to go back. She can't just stay as a hologram forever. Right. But that's not the case. And so her just staying as a hologram is just kind of like, you know, why, why not? Yeah. I, I think, I think this, I think that this is changeling, I think, right. I think changeling's point is kind of revolving or orbiting the same thing that I'm talking about. And that concerns me about the ending, which is that it's a little confusing down to the fact of how she's drawn earlier about being suicide or non-suicidal and things like that to get to the ending and this thing where she, it's not really a choice that you think it's going to be about her staying there or going back. And I think it's mostly because the show doesn't stress the the value that she is bringing by going back to her people mm-hmm. and helping there. Like I, and this is she's making the right choice. She's doing the right thing. But it's the episode is not particularly stressing that because it's so focused on the doctor relationship that you think that the doctor relationship is the thing that is like driving what the decision is going to be. But it's not. It's about her going back and being more helpful with the last bit of life that she has from this thing as opposed to running from it, which is what that decision of staying on the holodeck is, which is that you're just kind of hiding from what you should do in that in that case. So mm-hmm. I, I like the way that the show took it, and I think that that's the appropriate way to go. I think that I, I, I can kind of understand where Changeling is coming from, which is that it feels like the the choice is something else because of the way that it's built up, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And fanfic or not, it's not what happens. Latte Librarian says, life signs, Denara seeing, well put. <laughs> seeing what she would look like healthy was surprisingly touching. This episode pairs well with Death Wish theme-wise, 
choosing to die versus choosing to live. Four dance subroutines out of five. Aaron Million is our next one. I will send it to you right now. Life signs. Picardo is good as always here. When an episode focuses on him, it's generally a plus. Interesting juxtaposition with the previous episode, Death Wish. We go from someone wanting to die when there isn't anything wrong with them to someone who would like to live but cannot. On the B story, I'm getting intrigued with where this is going with Paris lashing out at Chakotay and being taken to the brig. Voyager has been slowly working this arc into episodes. Three excuses for being late for work out of five. Emphasis on slowly. What do you have a go-to excuse when you're late? Uh, traffic usually. Yeah, mine's kids. Like that, yeah. it always works. Just use, use oh, yeah. it half and ninety-five percent of the time, it's true. So, <laughs> just say kids. Nick the Rat says, "Life signs." I would really like to see Trek have an emotionless crew member and not try to force emotions on them. What's your um? What's your opinion about when you get when you have somewhere to be? When do you arrive generally? Um. Well, I guess it depends what it is. You, okay, so usually if it's if it's not like a social engagement that if there's a between two times thing, I'm probably not getting there before the first time. What about a doctor's appointment? I'm I usually if it's if it's not the first time that I've gone to the doctor and they're like be here 15 out 15 minutes before so you can fill all the paperwork yeah all the paperwork uh, we emailed you and you filled out and sent back yeah I know five times I'd, and here's some paper to fill out too uh, I usually get to the doctor like minutes before my appointment like maybe f- two minutes five minutes two minutes before my appointment gotcha gotcha I'm a I'm a habitually early arriver yeah I spend a lot of time just sitting and waiting for I've I've been down to I will sit in the car for 15 minutes because I can't go up to the place yet because it's like I can't just sit there um, well I you know I always end up thinking well for, first of all I I it always if I have to go to something like a doctor's appointment which is usually kind of in the morning I I am such not a morning person that I always am like getting out of the house at the last ass. minute yeah. possible yeah, yeah. Uh, like I would I would rather chance getting stuck in traffic then wake up 15 minutes earlier than i did yeah i feel i feel great um embarrassment at being late for some reason i don't know mm-hmm. i'm just i always try to get somewhere super early i'm always super concerned about leaving on time <laughs> and yeah. to get there i don't know it's it's weird i just uh, and i i find i think i feel like we've talked about it. i find um habitual lateness to be insulting to me when people are habitually mm-hmm. late to things mm-hmm. um are you saying this specifically because we started late for like the third episode in a row oh, that's right. <laughs> no i mean because well here i'm just sitting in my house right but if i'm um it's usually like if you're if you tell someone to come over for x time and then they show up like an hour late to it or something that's that's a lot yeah no that's that's it really cool. irritates me yeah, yeah. I, I find that yeah i mean the uh the being late to the doctor five minutes or whatever is not bad but like i i w- once you start hitting the, like the 15 minute late thing I, I start to sweat a little bit about like oh god i gotta get there something's gonna yeah, happen that that's fair did i send you nick the rat who did you, you just no, read that, aaron's you, that, right? i'll read yeah, it yeah you did nick the rat 
I would really like to see Trek have an emotionless crew member and not try to force emotions on them. How can Dr. Schmuckass have emotions built in, but Data had to wait to become annoying? Isn't Chakotay like two times bigger than Paris? He felt like a sack of wet noodles from a little push. And I was waiting for Kim to jump over his console and yell, you got knocked the fuck out. But sadly, no. The episode left me wondering <laughs> what Dinara smells like. Probably better than Seska. I'd give this episode an okay shrug. Sure. Out of five. I uh, I looked up the the Blazing Saddles quote because it was driving me nuts. It's after um, <clears throat> it's after Slim Pickens suggests that the way to get everybody out of the town is to kill the firstborn son of every household. Yep. And then Headley Lamar goes, mm, too Jewish. So I don't know what that has to do with <laughs> anything. But that's the um, the yeah the it's referencing the biblical plague of Egypt or something, right? I guess. Yeah. I don't know what that has to do with too jewish was maybe the person's comment just confused no i don't know we'll continue we'll continue on please it's please la- explain <laughs> show your work on this comment please. it's too layered this is artorius life signs well this is what happens when you get busy with military work you miss some of the fun reviews this is one of the best romance episodes in the Trek franchise. Compare this romance to Enterprise, and the differences are stark. Better writing, maybe? Picardo is the best actor in the show, in my opinion, and he nails everything he has put in. I love his honest self-aggrandizement. For a good part of this episode, I thought Denaro was going to die. I wish we would see her again. Probably not, though. On to the B-plot. It's obvious where this is going. Double Agent Paris. Oh. Four romantic getaways out of five. So, yeah, it looks like you... Uh, at least me and Artorius agree yeah. on where this is supposed to go. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know anything about this storyline. Um, no one seems to talk about it, so uh, it's probably underwhelming. Um, the, there's a funny typo in uh, Picardo's name there, which is like Porcardo, I, and I, I just kept thinking of like Peter Porker. <laughs> just if there's Picard- a, a pig version of Robert Picardo. Like Steve Picaro, the drummer from Toto? Is it Steve? It, no, it's not Steve. It's, it's uh, it Jeff. Steve? Jeff Picaro. Jeff Picardo. Yeah, yeah Picaro. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Lukather is the guitar player. The guitar player. Go. Who? Uh, yeah. Great hair. Great. Great. Mm-hmm. Great energy. Yeah, because um, Picaro is the one that Spinal Tap is kind of the horrible gardening accident, right? Didn't Jeff Picaro die in his garden? Oh, did he? I, I think he that. did. Let me say. I do. Th- I do think he is dead, though. He is dead. Jeff Picaro. Death. Died at uh, falling ill while spraying insecticide in his yard. Oh, wow. What a way to go. He ruled out an accident and determined a heart attack due to artery disease caused by a lot of cocaine. So he just happened to be in the garden. Oh, so it wasn't... Okay, it wasn't the spray it was the it was the it was, blow. It, was, it, was it was a lot of blowback yeah yeah it was he just happened to be spraying insecticide while he died of heart disease from ah, cocaine use like Vito corleone yeah because it's the uh the spinal tap like an unfortunate gardening accident. bizarre gardening accident. Bizarre gardening. well no that actually that couldn't that couldn't be what it's based on because that's too early 19, 1984 and yet he died in 1992 so oh. it was prophetic it's prophetic if anything maybe that maybe that's the way that i've got it 
Brandon Howell says, life signs. Yep, you guessed it. The doctor falls in love, complete with cliched high school dialogue. Not sure which is harder to take, the doctor's ego or his awkward pauses. Michael Jonas is still spying for Seska, and Tom Paris is still insubordinate who can punch the shit out of Chakotay far too easily. Avoid. 157 Chevy out of five. And the final comment is short. I'll read it. Matt Ross says, life signs. I'm not too sure what to make of this. Make of this. Ansbury, it must be a typo. I can't make it out what it is. Developing AI of the doctor. The fact that holds are not alive or comes up every so often in the show. But this story kind of feels flat to me. Unlike the meat face of the Vidian, the love story was blah, although ably acted. Three diseases out of five. Thanks, everybody, for leaving your thoughts about the episode called Life Signs on patreon.com slash Lipensky file. Pretty uh, middlingly positive, I guess, would be the average, the way that I would describe the patrons. What are you going to give this mm. one on a scale of one to five? Five. Oh, wow. Yep. <clears throat> wow. So going for it. It's my uh, favorite episode of the season. Yeah. Uh, series two, I would assume, potentially. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's it's really... You know, as far as like showing it to someone, it's not like the first one on the list. Yeah. Because I feel like you got to, because it's not really, you know, if I go by uh, my own rules as far as like TOS goes, uh, it's it's not like a, this is this is closer to like a, a city on the edge of forever than um, balance of terror. And sure. you know, I, everyone knows my, my stance on between those two. Uh where like I I don't I think you'd need to see other stuff before you could really appreciate this one, um, but this is definitely in the first row of episodes I would recommend. Okay, yeah, I liked it too. Uh, my uh, my uh, sorting is probably between whether or not it's a high three and a low four. I think I think I'm going to give it a low four because I like. Um, uh, I thought I thought it. I, I watched well. I, I enjoyed watching mm. it. Amy watched yeah. it with me, and Amy came in, and they were in the middle of some love scene, and she's like, "Oh, Star Trek always does romance so terrible." And by the end of it, when the, when the credits rolled, she, she went, "Oh, that was kind of nice." So I think she, she came around, and I think it's an episode that um, I think it does work for other people. I'll, I'll give it a four. I, I liked it. I don't know if it's my favorite of the season, though. Um, I think Death Wish is worse. But Death Wish is almost more interesting in some way because of mm-hmm. the mistakes it makes. And I like to meld and stuff like that. So, But it's up there. It's in the top five at this point. That's it. I'll give it a four. Clay gives it a five. It might be your first five that you've given to Voyager. Maybe not. I don't think so. Maybe you've given one or two others. Um, that's it with Life Sims. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us at patreon.com slash the Penske file. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, we're coming to the end of Stephen Second String of Stephen King on a Patreon with um, Amanda and myself. Mm-hmm. October Children of the Corn. November is Pet Cemetery, and December is Stephen King's It from 1990. So uh, we're we're gonna be putting up pretty soon um, the poll for what we're gonna do next year, which I think is gonna be a choice between uh, reboots and remakes. Uh, video nasties, a, a curated list of video nasties, and uh, holiday films. Mm-hmm. So, like April Fool's Day or Leprechaun or uh, 
I don't know, Arbor Day. Is that is that a horror, is there a horror <laughs> there movie about Arbor Day? There's, a, yeah. there's some C-rate uh, horror movie called Arbor Day, I think. Yeah. Unfortunately, so one of the things that I was looking at was, uh, you know, it, it can get a little dicey depending on the on the holiday. And uh, there's, there's a movie called Uncle Sam, which is obviously a horror movie uh, about July 4th. Uh, sure. I've seen it. It's terrible. Yep. So uh, I was going to suggest... Brian De Palma's blowout for that one, which takes place around in and around the bicentennial, which that at least is a good movie, even though it's not exactly directly a July Fourth movie. But is Blowout the remake of the old French film? It's it's like a yeah, it's it's like a spiritual remake where it's oh, okay. essentially the same setup, <laughs> but the uh, the way it plays out, I think, is much different. It's been a long time since uh, Blow Up is the is the original. Right. It's a, been a long time since I've seen Blow Up, but uh, the the essential setup is the same. Where in Blow Up, a guy takes a photograph and he finds as he like zooms in, he finds a dead body or something, and then yes. Blow Out. Blow Out is uh, uh, John Travolta is a sound engineer, a film sound engineer, and while he's out recording like ambient noise, he catches the oh, that's right blowout of a tire in a car with a uh, senator and a prostitute yeah and as he shuffles through the audio he gets into this web of hitchcockian web of uh you know assassinations and stuff it's it's pretty good it's one it's one of de palma's better movies blowout is also what happened to jeff picara (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) so it all comes full circle thanks everybody for listening we'll leave you with the soothing sounds of rosanna and we that's <laughs> a great groove he oh, was a he was a tremendous yeah. drummer but it was that's a iconic groove um that literally everyone has to learn how to play the you start rock, we start uh, with fool fool in the rain and then the picaro oh, version yeah. is like the that's more sophisticated version of it jeff picaro is like the backbone of uh yacht rock basically as a genre is is uh jeff picaro there's a um <laughs> there's, a, there's a video series he did a lot of instructional drum videos and he has one mm-hmm. that he explains how he comes up with grooves or whatever and the thing that's most impressive to me is that I don't, I don't think he's playing with members of Toto he's playing with like members of Studo uh, but Stu, Studo? Studo, studio, <laughs> a studio studio of musicians <laughs> Studo would be a, a good studio musician <laughs> band name um, and he Maybe it's edited well, but I'm I'm always blown away. He's like explaining the concept of what he's gonna do. He's like, all right, he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch the backbeat from two to four. I'm just gonna put it on four every alternating bar. Here you go, guys. Two, three, do 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 do, and then they go into it. But the the count off is so quick, and those guys are just like so on the money when they come into it. Yeah. I'm just shocked at how much the attention they're paying. Anyway, yeah, really good musicians are like magicians. Yeah, musicians, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> It's we'll studio on that studio on that people. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for listening to Toto. And we will be back next episode with, I think it's investigations. I'm going to go with that. Investigations is the next episode. See you then. <laughs>